And I thank you so much, Coach, for being willing um, and ready to talk to us. Uh, like I told you, no pressure. We really just kind of want to hear you. They're going to pick your brain a little bit, and we just have a dialogue to kind of help us in our day. Um, so, guys, I'm going to say a prayer, and then I'm going to turn it over to um, Coach Wilkerson so we can bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this day in which we've never seen before. We thank you, Lord, for just being able to have joy in the midst of the storm, Lord God. We ask right now, Lord God, that you cover Coach Wilkerson. You cover every person that's on this call, Lord God. Help him to speak, Lord God, the words that you would have him to say. Help us to have listening ears, Lord God, guided by you so that we can better ourselves, Lord God, to better our athletes or those that we lead. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's on you, man. All right. What I'm going to do, I opened up two accounts so I can share um, my presentation here with everybody. I'm going to open it up now. I did a little PowerPoint to kind of guide us through. And the kind of way I had it set up was I would do a little presentation for you guys to kind of go over things that I believe in, things that I've done as a coach uh, in this servant leadership role. Uh, and kind of at the end, we'll, you know, we'll kind of talk about it. If you got something you want to add or take away, uh, feel free it, by all means. You know, she, she's already kind of introduced me, as you see here, recruiting for the D-line. And I've got on here my Twitter and my cell phone number. And I'll, those will be on here again at the end for anybody that's interested in staying in contact or has any questions or ideas. Uh, and like, like she said, man, you know, uh, if you see on this, this is my kind of my career. You know, I've only been coaching about 15 years. So, you know, in my eyes, I think I'm still young in this profession. Uh, you know, a lot of, but what I learned last year, being at Jacksonville State, I was one of the three oldest coaches on staff. So. I say I'm young, but I may not be. Uh, I spent a couple years in high school. I went to Huntington College in Montgomery. I did 10 years there at Division III. In the last two or three years, I've been at Jacksonville State University in Alabama as well. And I came to Chattanooga in February, actually. You know, I've, technically, I've been there since February, but I worked on campus for three weeks. And then this, this uh, virus hit, and I've been back home in Jacksonville with my family for the last few weeks. Uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell, quick rundown, just kind of my career, so you know where I've been to. And, you know, when she asked about doing a uh, presentation on faith and leadership, I was excited because I think we get caught up as coaches at times. All we want to talk about is ball. You know, a lot, a lot of coaches are just ball guys. Everybody's a ball guy, as we say in our office, and, and not enough of this going on, you know. So from here, we'll begin a little presentation I put together. Like I said, feel free to stop me at any time. Uh, the first thing I put on here is, in my opinion, I tell everybody this and I talk to people, this is my beliefs. This is what I do. It's not right for everybody. And it may not be right, but it's what I believe. You know, I heard a guy tell me one time, I know what I know. And in my opinion, I think the coaching profession, I put mentoring greater than coaching, you know, because I feel like uh, a lot of times we get caught up into what we know on the court, on the field, or in the realm of athletics in general uh, and I really believe my passion has been mentoring my guys as much as it has been with coaching them you know uh, and I always give them this analogy is you know in football you're going to have 12 to 16 games a year game days and if we put all our stock just in game day what are we really winning at the end of the day you know uh, you know and I talk from a football standpoint you know I was a high school basketball coach and a track coach as well uh, but like now, it, it's, it's, I talk about football on a daily basis, but my job now is to prepare these guys for life after school, you know, after sports. Like, even when I recruit a kid, I talk to them, I mentor them the same way because at the end of the day, sports are fine, but what's going to happen to these kids whenever it's taken away from them, whether it be injury, whether it be illness, whether it be just eligibility run up, you know, so I think as a – Coach, when we mentor these, these men and women, we have a, a chance to affect them and their family for a long run, opposed to just talking to them about X's and O's. And then at the end of the day, we all know, especially the guys and girls on here in the coaching world, some of these kids don't have mom and dad at home. You know, some of these people only have uh, an aunt or uncle or a guardian. And, you know, like me, myself, you know, my passion in coaching is mentoring because you know, I grew up in a single parent home and my mom worked in a factory and I couldn't afford to play youth sports, you know, but I was talented enough to where 
coaches would pay my fees and buy me shoes and buy me cleats. So the last thing I put on here is, you know, the effects coaches had on me, they saved my life growing up. You know, I, I was blessed to have guys that put me in sports and they helped me along the way. And I look back when I got to college at Alabama State University, I got, I gained about six or seven roommates uh, that became lifelong brothers to me. And, you know, I talk about this now because, you know, these guys, we didn't know each other. And then now with seven African-American men that were best of friends. And now we were not perfect by any means. I mean, we enjoyed college. I'll just leave it at that. We enjoyed college. We didn't miss many opportunities to have a good time. But I look back at it now, I tell everybody this. You find me seven African-American males that went to school, made a bond, made a friendship, all got college degrees, and no, none of us got in any trouble while we were in school. And I know now that somebody was praying for us because, you know, we was in some situations where some trouble could easily been had. Um, but to go back to that, man, even the coaches I had in college mentored me and guided me through. Uh, so I, I really feel like that's a strong passion for me is I understand the value that we have as coaches to be more than X's and O's, but to be leaders and uh, mentors to these, these ladies and gentlemen. Some close calls, coach. Close calls, buddy. Yeah, we had a couple close ones now. <laughs> <laughs> now, this next slide is kind of something that I've also have a passion about. You know, a lot of times coaches uh, always want to talk about scheme and schematics. Uh, me personally, what I challenge every person to do is in, in the coaching world is you have a philosophy. Uh, and what I try to tell everybody is your coaching philosophy, man, make sure that you can use your coaching philosophy and what I call the five areas of life. You know, you got school, you got work or career, you got faith, religion, however you want to look at it. You got family, then you got sports. To me, it's always the last one I talk about. And so what I'll do is I'll kind of go through my philosophy for what I stand for. And you'll see it kind of ties in with the times we're going through now in the world. Um, and I mean, my philosophy is real simple. Discipline, not desire, determines our destiny. And I'll say it again. Discipline, not desire, determines our destiny. And I think every student athlete can, can take that and gain something from it. Uh, and the way I present it to my guys, especially in the recruiting process, is we'll talk about all, all five phases, like in school. I make sure they understand what a disciplined student looks like. You know, hey, are you going to class on time? Are you taking notes? Are you turning your assignments in on time? Because like I said before, it's more about the mentorship for me. Uh, and if I instill these principles in their schoolwork, I'm a firm believer that it's also going to carry over to the field. You know, I don't like, I never like coaches that just preach discipline, accountability, structure, and hard work on the field or at practice. But they don't hold the same expectations for the guys or girls off the field. Uh, and then, like I said, talking about when they have a job, you know, I always talk to them about what's it mean to be a disciplined employee? You know, you've been on time for work. You're doing your tasks to the best of your ability, so forth and so on. And then we always talk to them about the faith walk. You know, hey, how does it look to be a disciplined Christian? And I tell them all the time, it's not just going to church. You know, you got to hear the word, receive the word, apply the word going forth in your life. And then I always give them examples about being a disciplined family man. You know, if you're a husband or you're a father or whatever your role may be, or you're doing the things needed to be successful for you and your family, and I always tell them this exact quote, sports is the least important to me. But I coach defensive line, and I coach defense. So if we're a disciplined defense or a defensive lineman and we're all doing our job, all 11 guys, most of the time the offense does not score points. But, and my whole point of bringing that up and kind of going through what I believe in is whatever your philosophy is, and I think everybody has a coaching philosophy, and I know me personally, when I got in this profession, um, my philosophy was a paragraph. And I knew it, and I, but I had to read it in order to be able to say it. And a guy asked me this about 12 years ago was, is your philosophy really being used every day? So my question to you guys is, what is your philosophy? Are you using it every day? And then do your players know your philosophy? And the reason I say that is if your players don't know your philosophy or your expectation, how, how do they meet it? You know, how do they meet it? And so what I do for my guys, everywhere I've been, I buy my guys a shirt every spring with my philosophy on it. We call it DND, Discipline Not Desire. I got up this morning, I texted the defensive line at Jacksonville State, and I hadn't been there in, in two months, and the guys at Chattanooga. And I text them all the same thing Discipline Not Desire determines your destiny. And I put question mark, 
Are you a disciplined student during these times? Are you a disciplined athlete during these times? And But they all know. I can just say in D&D, and every kid that played for me knows what that stands for. So what I would say here is, do you have a coaching philosophy? And does your philosophy align with school, work, faith, family, and sports? Or is your philosophy just about sports? Uh, anybody want to comment on that? I'll just say real quick, um, my young ladies know that it is off of scholarship, service, and sisterhood, essentially those off of basketball. And then we for throw in a fourth one in terms of skill. And they know that skill is not just basketball, but it's also in life. We are women first, regardless of what our background is. We know that if all four of those layers align, then we are being the full and whole person. Good, good. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll share my cultural philosophy when was my first year. Um, it was respect, responsibility, and relationship. Yeah, as well as uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Uh, yeah. So it was respect, responsibility, and relationship, and uh, we tried to popcorn was the respect for one another, not just for the players, but for coaches as well, um, the responsibility to each and every one of each other, and the relationship that we tried to build as a, as a, as a team. Awesome. Um, we, we have a Lady Eagle 11, and it's 11 character qualities that you'll, you'll, distribute, you'll display in our pro if you're going to be in our program. Some of those qualities we have to work on, but if those, those are the qualities that we're going to display in a classroom, on the court, and it, we've got a sign in the locker room and all over the place with our Lady Eagle 11. There you go. Good one. Yeah, Coach. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, great job, Coach. That, that's powerful. Um, here for us, you know, we, we use our seven Fs of success. Um, for us, that starts with faith. Monday goes the fundamentals on Monday. Um, being fast on Tuesday, fighting on Wednesday, you know, finishing on Thursday. Um, having fun on Friday and being a family on Saturday. And um, you know, our guys shouldn't know up front was in backwards. They should break it down on those words every single day. And uh, we've paired that everywhere we've gone the last, you know, six, seven years. Good. Anybody else? And um, my philosophy for my girls, I have quite a few, but one of them we uh, pretty much stress on is fat. And that is um, faithful, available, and teachable. And so with that, we discuss, we do have God in our program. Uh, they know what my faith level is, and we constantly pray before and after practice, and we talk about um, things during the day, like I was telling the group earlier, um, through the weeks, the week, days that we've been on here. Sometimes we have devotions. Um, I have a coach's Bible, which is the best thing that I could have received as a gift from some another coach. And along that, that whatever that day is, we may discuss that devotion for that day. And I always like to see and get their feedback. And so we, that's the teachable moment. And then the available part is, are we available to come to practice on time? Are we available? Just not just said about sports. We always have to integrate life skills. And I always tell them, will you be available if an employee called you for an interview? Are you available? to meet that time frame, Are you available to even capably fill out an application for, you know, to even get the job? So we always have to be, um, I hold them accountable for each other. And so like, as far as the sport part of it, we used it on the court. Um, are we faithful of trusting our um, teammates? Uh, is that teammate available, you know, when the time comes for me to depend on her to catch a pass or whatever? And teachable, are we teaching each other? So that's what we pretty much um, go on sometimes. Awesome. Well, yeah, just to add on to that, just to brought somebody brought up a good point was um, for me, like I said, this, this is my deal. And then one thing that I'm a firm believer in, I had a buddy of mine challenge me of this six years ago. Uh, he knew where I stood as a man. And he asked me, he said, man, how often do you take out time of the day to mentor your guys on their faith walk or been player development completely? So what I started doing then was before every meeting we have, the number one rule I have in our meeting room is 
we don't talk football until we become better people. So if you're not doing that, you know, you don't have to say yeah or nay, but if you're not doing that, I would challenge you before you talk about sports on a daily basis, uh, find time to, and, and you know, and I, I get it. Some people are coaching at high schools or public schools and you can't just openly say some things you want to say about faith. I said, but you can, you can word it in ways that they know what you're talking about, but and you don't have to be, as I call it, Bible thumper every day and to beat it in these kids, but you can find a quote, a phrase, a scripture, or whatever it may be. Uh, and we do that every day in my position group alone, where no matter what it is, we're going to do a topic every day, be better people. And I told them there is no time limit. I mean, I've been in meetings before, and, and it's crazy how it's worked out. I've been in meetings before where it took two minutes and we moved on. But I've also been in meetings before where the whole 45-minute meeting was about the phrase of the day or the verse of the day, and we didn't even talk about football. And, and it's funny because the times that's happened when I've gotten to the field, it's almost like every time this happened, I've gotten to the field, coach says, hey, man, you got extra 10 minutes today to go over here to do a walkthrough of fundamentals. So it's always worked itself out. If we got caught up into being better people, when we got to the field, we somehow found time to cover the issues we had on the meeting that I didn't get to go over. So that's kind of what I'll end that slide on. But my last, what I wanted to make sure everybody was have your philosophy and make sure your players know it. That's the big thing for me. Make sure players know exactly what you stand for so when they leave in life, they'll always be able to say, hey, coach, put this in me. This helped me with my job. This helped me with my family. Helped me in my faith, and I'm forever grateful for it. Um, the next one is I, I got two verses here that um, I've used to kind of go with my philosophy uh, and as well as my mentorship with these guys. Um, I'll talk about Proverbs 19 first, you know, because it's discipline. It's a discipline your child, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. And I only talk about the first, the first half. I put nineteen, eighteen, a. Discipline your child, for there is hope. And I tell my guys, discipline your athlete, for there is hope. Because at the end of the day, I like to show these guys where I come from with it. Because if if I discipline them or not, it matters. You know, if they if they know they can get away with things in the classroom or on the campus in the dorms, then they'll feel the same way on game day. But more importantly, if I'm holding them accountable in all five areas of life, like I mentioned in my philosophy and applying the word to it, I'm a firm believer that eventually someday it's going to set in. And when they do graduate, it's, it's built in them. You know, so, so that's one of the verses that, like I said, I talk about with my guys just to show them the importance of discipline because, you know, uh, people always, you know, growing up, we all heard the cheer. You got to want it to win it, and we want it bad. That's, everybody was always taught, you got to want it, you got to want it, you got to want it. But I'm a firm believer that wanting it gets you so far, you also got to be apply that discipline to it. So uh, just, just this kind of a verse, just kind of an example of how we would do a daily devotion in our room. I would give them a verse or a quote, whatever, and I would just highlight the points that we wanted to focus on, you know, and, and we kind of would open the floor to different people. Uh, and the second one you see on here is Isaiah 54, 17a. And, you know, that's one that, that we talk about, no weapon formed against us will prosper. And I, I tell them, most of the time I'll go in and say that without even giving a verse name, and the guys can finish that first part A of it. And, and the biggest culture point I've made with my room before, and it's funny because I've been doing a Bible study with my roommates here lately, and – some of these guys, one of the, I can't remember, one of these guys mentioned this verse the other day, and I just started laughing because it's the exact same thing. Because at the end of the day, we read that, it says, no weapon formed shall prosper. But I think we misinterpret it a lot, especially in the coaching world, because we all know it doesn't say no weapon will ever form. <laughs> it's telling you when they do form, it's not going to prosper against you. So it's just, just little verses like those I think are important to have for your um, student athletes because a lot of them think that nothing's going to happen to them. And a lot of them think that um, they're the only person that stuff happens to. But at the end of the day, if we find a verse or a phrase or a philosophy or whatever we stand on and we teach them how to handle themselves when they go through adverse situations and prepare them for life after sports, I believe it carries over to game day. You know, I've been very, very fortunate in my career uh, to be part of, uh, I think, seven championship staffs. 
And I can tell you that the best teams we had were better people than they were athletes, you know. Uh, and, and that's been amazing to me to see. And I've been fortunate enough to work at universities. You know, my first college job was Huntington College Christian School. So that was the foundation of the program was your, your Christian walk. And then I got to Jacksonville State. We were a top five FCS program that was highly successful and won a lot of football games. But what a lot of people don't realize about our head coach at Jacksonville State was John Gross is a strong Christian guy. You know, and, and I've seen him turn away recruits when they come in and, and they see the way he carried the program. You know, parents would tell him, Coach, you know, we don't necessarily do this or that. And he was like, well, your son don't need to come here. Because he was not going to sacrifice the program, his beliefs, for any individual. Uh, and like I said, those two verses more than anything was just kind of a prelude to what I'm going to talk about next was those two are like the foundations we have, you know, for my room. You know, I show them discipline and I tell them stuff's going to happen in a negative way. Then how are you going to handle it? So going to this next one is how strong is your foundation? You know, like I said before, we all going to go through challenges. And, and I tell my guys, there's three phases in life, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, agree or disagree. What I believe in is I think there's three phases we all go through. Number one, you're either going to a tough time right now, this moment. Number two, you just left a tough time. Something just happened. And if you're not in phase one or phase two, I tell my guys, be careful because something tough is going to happen to you soon. You know, I think you're in a tough time, leaving a tough time, or you're going through a tough time. And I don't think there's no way to avoid those things. So what I do, I think it's my job as a coach, as a mentor, is to prepare those guys on how to handle them. You know, and, and I always talk to them about what's your foundation. I don't care what sport you coach or what you do. We all talk about our, our stance, our base, so forth and so on. Um, so I ask my guys, what are you building your, your, ho your hope on? You know, is it all about scholarship? Is it all about the NFL? Is it all about this? Is it all about that? And I always try to tell them, man, you got to have faith in, in, in God, man, at the end of the day. Because we all going to go through stuff. Uh, and it's kind of like you look at it now. Like nobody here saw this happening four months ago. Now all of a sudden, you know, most of us here have sports as – as our way of life and all that we know and what's been successful for us, you know, and it's been taken away. And if you don't have a strong foundation, you know, a lot of coaches right now are struggling. Uh, and it's a lot of people. I was talking to a friend of mine last night. It's a lot of people in this world that have jobs and not careers that don't have the income coming in anymore because of the pandemic, you know, and, and I'm grateful that I have a career to where I'm still able to uh, provide for my family completely without any loss. And, and because my foundation was rooted on the word. So my question would be, um, how strong is your foundation? You know, and, and talk to your players about it. What's your foundation built on? Because at the end of the day, a lot of these guys and girls in college, especially in high school as well, go through situations and some of them are too prideful or too scared to talk about it. So I try to bring it up on the front end, like, look, build your foundation on foundation on things that uh, are going to bring value to you in your life as long as you uh, live. So that's kind of it. And then on the top, it says three little pigs. And because I'm a old high school teacher, so I like to break everything down for my guys. And I give them the analogy, the three little pig story. They all laugh about it. But when you break it down, what you building your house on? You know, you, what you building your house on? If your foundation is not built as little pigs had on a rock, then it's probably going to get blew over. You know, but if your foundation is built on some strong, something with some value in it, in the word, in my opinion, uh, you probably got a chance to withstand those weapons that come against you. Because at the end of the day, we all know, we all adults here, we've all been through some things. The weapons are going to come against you at some point in time. How are you going to be built to handle those situations? So that's just another area that I spend a lot of time on with my guys is not only instilling the discipline, not desiring them, but trying to prepare them with how to handle adverse situations. You know, and I think that I've seen a lot of uh, um, fruit from, from my labor with that. You know, I've been fortunate. I've coached 45 seniors in 12 years and 44 have college degrees. And, and, and in football, that's a pretty high number. Uh, and I'm, I'm telling, I tell everybody, man, it ain't me, man. I, I know it's somebody else behind it. But the number one thing I talk about is the discipline and then having a strong foundation for when they do go through uh, tough times and, and any, anybody have any questions or anything to add to that? 
Hey, Coach, <clears throat> real quick, and I, I'll reserve my comments for later, but um, one quick thing just to kind of touch on what you said, and, and I do commend, you know, you guys at Jacksonville State, because I actually used you guys as an example to my football team um, mm -hmm. here that you guys went to the, the championship game. Um, they interviewed Coach Grass. One of the things that really stood out to me, and I mentioned that to the team, was it talked about the, the GPA, the team GPA was over 3.0. And uh, that's something that we always talk to our team about, about, you know, when, when we do, when we're blessed enough to make it to the championship and, you know, the nation is looking at us, I want them to say, and not only is this football team the best group of athletes in the conference, that they're, they're the best students as well and that they have the highest GPA. So I use that model that you guys have built at Jacksonville State to kind of try to motivate my team to do it in both areas, academically and on the football field. So that, that's very powerful, that what you, what you guys have done at Jacksonville State and, you know, what you're carrying over to Chattanooga. Appreciate it. Anybody else? All right, and then just kind of finishing off here is, is what, I was, what Coach Simmons just mentioned. I was going to tie it all together with, you know, I talked about the foundation and the discipline was the academic side of it, you know. Uh, that, that's the one thing that everywhere I've been so far that has been as important as the uh, athletic side. You know, when, when we got to at Huntington, man, I was the academic guy. I was the, you know, Division Three is all about retention. I was the retention guy, the academic guy, the mentor. And that's one thing we took in our recruiting that helped us out was if you came and played football for us, you were going to get a college degree. We, we never promised them that they were going to win football games or they were going to do this and that. The only promise we made about to all those guys was, hey, you're going to get be academic. And, you know, for me, you know, and part of the thing that Chelsea asked me to talk about as well was how did how has faith helped me along my coaching career? You know, as a high school coach, my dream was to be a, a college football coach. Uh, and, you know, I got a call. I applied for every job out there for about four or five years. And then I got a call from Hyndon and had no idea they had a job open. And I got that job and was blessed to do it. And from that day forward, my last two jobs I've received, I didn't even have to interview for. And, and I know I was favor on my career. But it's also kind of how I've handled my situation in my room was at Hyndon, man, you know, when Jacksonville State called me uh, and Coach Gross at that point, they had just went to the national championship game. He was asking me, would I be interested in coming? You know, I'm thinking, like, hey, it's a Division One job. They're top 10, top five in the nation. I'm at a D3 school. There's no question. And he asked me, his quote was, Coach, what is it going to take to get you to here? And I was like, Coach, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm coming. But I was like, you know, it was a chance for me to ask for some things. And the first thing I asked him was, Coach, you know, for me, it's bigger than football. What's your plan academically for these guys to be successful? I say, especially for me, I'm a minority. I'm an HBCU alumni. I have a strong passion for mentoring minorities. What do we do? What plan do you have in place? And he just started laughing. He was like, Coach, you know, our guys are going to come here and we're having them on a five-year plan. He said, we tell them all, you're probably going to redshirt because, you know, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're coming here, you're probably not going to pledge a true for a pretty good program. He said, but you'll leave here with two college degrees. He said, if you'll follow our plans, every kid that comes here will leave with two college degrees. We pay for summer school. We pay for school year-round. And every kid here finishes in three years, and we'll get you out of here with a master's degree. And so when I heard that, I was sold. Because, I, like I said, I was all about getting guys in. I wanted to mentor them and the chance to be able to tell a kid, hey, you can come get two college degrees with us, opposed to going to the average school and been lucky to get one. And then, you know, I was there for so many years. Then UTC called me in February. You know, passion of mine is recruiting. You know, I, I wanted to be a recruiting coordinator. And today, one of my goals is to be like Coach Simmons there, man, HBCU head coach. You know, I, I definitely have a passion to, for the HBCU sports world. Uh, and so when they called me, they asked the same question. Because what's it going to take to get you to leave Jacksonville? I was like, well, I want to be a recruiting coordinator. I've seen your guy left. It's a chance to do it. And I didn't know the Coach Wright. I didn't know Coach Ward, the coordinator. Uh, those guys drove to Jacksonville and met me one day for lunch. Didn't talk about football at all. Just, you know, they had seen their product we put on the field defensively with our defensive line, especially at Huntington and Jacksonville State. And we just talked about, like we're talking now, about my philosophy and then about building a foundation. And then my question for them was about academics. And it was the same thing. We got an academic program in place. And, you know, I know at our place we, we harp on it with our guys on a daily basis and we meet with them. Uh, so if you're at a place where 
you don't put as much time in academics as you do athletics, like Coach Simmons already mentioned. You know, for us, that was a big deal. We, we talked to people about our program at Jacksonville, especially. We wanted everybody to know. Yeah, we won the OVC uh, was six years in a row. Yeah, we did. But you know what? We also won the highest GPA in OVC six years in a row. We also had every kid that came through there leave with one degree at least, most of them two. So, and like you said, when Coach Gross talked about it, he always made sure everybody understood we are building the whole man. And then that's, that was our philosophy. And it's my personal philosophy in recruiting is I tell all the parents, you know what? You know, I've been fortunate enough to coach six or seven All-Americans, win seven championships. But one thing I promise you, when your son plays for me, he's going to be a good employee. He's going to be a good husband. He's going to be a good father. I don't know how good he'll be in football, but I do know that if I instill in him discipline, uh, hard work, time management, accountability, so forth and so on, when he leaves this program, no matter where I'm coaching at, whether it be at Chattanooga or Jacksonville State or wherever else, for what I believe in, my core values, he'll be ready to be a man when he graduates. And I tell them all, look, man, I think those same traits carry over to the football field for us. You know, if you're disciplined, your time management and your hard work and you're accountable and all that stuff, it makes you a good football player. So the last thing I'll say to you guys as coaches is whatever you believe in, uh, at the end of the day, make sure you're still in them on and off the field and don't settle. Like, you know, a lot of places I've been, they call me the drill sergeant. Because one thing about me, I don't care what they do. When I go to practice, I'm taking a notepad, and all I write down is mistakes. Everything we do wrong, we stay on that field, and we do some accountability for it. And I'll give them a challenge. Hey, look, today, if I do this, y'all hold me accountable, and I'll run with you. So at the end of the day, the biggest challenge we have in this profession, and we say we're going to do some stuff as coaches, and life happens, and we don't hold the kids as, as accountable. And you know, like I know, all you guys and girls played sports is – when they know they can get away with certain things, they're going to do it. At the end of the day, they're going to do it. And that's why I tell Coach, Coach, it ain't a matter about if they're going to break a rule. It's when they're going to break a rule and how you're going to hold them accountable when they do it. That way, whenever times like now happen, because everybody's worried about their players being, being at home doing school, I ain't worried about them. Because I, I text mine in the morning, D&D, so they all know, Coach, I ain't worried about them. Like, with the academic checks, I don't even read over it because I know I ain't worried about my guys because I know, I understand they know I'm going to put a notepad. I sent a picture this morning on my notepad. I'm checking academics today. Y'all know I'm writing notes for everybody that's wrong. Whenever we get back to campus, whether it be June, July, August, September, y'all got to come see me. So that's kind of me in a nutshell, man. The last thing on here is, is all my information. I appreciate the opportunity to sit here and share. I look forward to sitting here having dialogue with everybody, sharing ideas. But feel free at any time, man. That's my Twitter and my cell phone. You know, we all friends now. One thing about me uh, – once we meet and communicate, we're going to stay in touch. You know, I'm, I'm a people guy because I know a lot of you guys uh, and girls on here will definitely cross paths at some time. And any questions or anybody got anything they can add to the presentation? What? All right. Hey, Coach, how you doing, man? Coach Jarvis Mitchell, Detroit, Michigan. How you doing? Yes, All sir. Right. I, um, on, on your beginning notes, it said some kids do not have a father-mother figure. Yeah. Well, problem I've been having is the kids with two parents that are too involved. So like I see, you know, I think for us, it's a lot, especially if you have a passion for mentoring, it's a lot easier to address the part where there's a void or a need, so to speak. But how do you um, kind of diffuse the, the over, the over involved parents? the with the kids that come from two parent households where the mother is crazy about sports and no matter what you do as the coach it, it isn't good enough because the kids should be a first team all-american even though they average in five points how are you diffusing those kind of conversations with the overly involved parents good question me personally uh i'm a big believer in the recruiting process of recruiting the parents as well uh, you know, I've been a lot of places that coaches say I'm overboard with that, but I, I talk to the parents of the guys I recruit every every two weeks. And so I, I'm big on the relationship of the guys I recruit anyway. So on top of that, like this year at Jacksonville, we had a parent uh, and his son was a backup, really, really, really talented player, which happens when you got a good program. And he would be at, come onto the sideline during the game, after the game was over, ready to, ready to make a fuss. And a lot of the coaches would run from him. Well, I would go to him. I'm like, hey, look, man, let's talk, Doc. I always – I'd hear him out. I'd look, man, I'm not big on – you know, we recruited your son here. Obviously, you are not happy. 
let me let's talk about why you ain't happy. And if it's just about football, then I got a problem with you as a parent. And he told me, he said, Coach, I think my son should be doing this, this, and that. I said, okay, how's he academically? He said, it doesn't matter. I said, it doesn't matter. I said, we are the conference championship team on and off the field. Is your son a straight-A student? He's like, well, no, he did this. I said, no, he had to go to summer school to get eligible. So he had to admit, you know, so I always hold the kids accountable and the parents accountable as well with, with their, their social skills, their academic skills, and athletics. And I always tell those parents, look, if your main focus is just football, uh, what are you going? It's going to be taken away at some point, you know. And if all you care about is the athletic part, let's talk about all the other phases that that he's not holding in line with. But you do have some of those parents. I agree with you that are way overboard. But like I said, I, I think you handle a lot of that with the relationship. But you still, it ain't enough. Sometimes you still got those parents that they know everything. And then at some at some point, you just got to tell them, "Hey, man, this might not be the right fit for you and your family because we're going to do our our pro and our pro in the way we run it." And then I tell them all this, we're in the business that it's a show me world in, in college sports. If we don't win football, basketball, softball, whatever sports you're coaching uh, games, they're probably going to fire you. So I'm like, look, you think I don't want the best athlete on the field to help me uh, be successful as a coach? So that's kind of how I would answer that question. Okay. Anybody else got an answer for them? Yeah, Coach, I'll chime in. First, I want to say, I feel sorry for all y'all basketball coaches. <laughs> because I think that's a basketball issue because hey, with AU and traveling parents and all, we, we don't really have those issues in football as much. We'll get every now and then one who thinks his son should be playing a lot more. But Coach hit it dead on the head, man. I, I think the more you can build a relationship beforehand with the parent um, that they know first and foremost that you're going to always be honest with them. Uh, so when, they, when you do tell them why their kid isn't playing, they know it's coming from a pure place and it's coming from a place of love. And like coach said, you know, give them all the reasons. And so one, one thing I always tell our team, I'm sure everyone says it in some capacity is that we tell our guys the best, the best guys will play. Okay. Now to an 18 to 23 year old best always equates to athleticism. That's all they equate best to. I'm bigger, I'm faster, I'm stronger. So I'm better. So I, I tell the guys when we do our end of the year evaluation, I give my coaches an evaluation sheet on all of our players. Well, it's 10 rankings, 10 things that they rate our players on. Five of them are physical. The other five are not. So we rate them on accountability. We rate them on academics. We rate them on leadership. We rate we all different kinds of things that we rate our guys on. And so when they come up with that raw score at the end, you may, from a physical standpoint, have 45 out of 50 points. But from an accountability, a leadership standpoint, an academic standpoint, you may only have 20 out of 50. So that guy who scored a little bit lower on the physical side but scored a lot higher on the other side, he's better than you. He gives us a better chance to win. And so when you, when you break it down to them in those terms where they fully understand what my idea as a head coach or the position coach is, what's your, what's your definition of best? Best doesn't always equate to athleticism, like Coach said. And I tell my team the same thing. It ain't the most athletic team that wins. It's a team of guys who – are committed to one another, who love one another, who play hard for one another, who are disciplined and accountable, that typically win games. Because in football, I'm talking about basketball, a lot of teams lose more games than we win games because it's a lot of close games. And it's the ones who make the mistakes and do all those things that lose. And so I think that's very powerful what Coach is saying, that, you know, it's all about, again, equating the whole picture to it, not just the athletic side, but the, 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 the accountability side, the academic side, because – like he said, you know, like I was saying, everything is everything. So if you're, if you're unaccountable in every other aspect, at some point you're going to let me down in, in the game. And it's going to cost us. It's going to make us lose the game. So I think that's great, Coach, that you use that philosophy with, with your parents. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Any other, any other topics, issues, questions, comments? Hey, hey Coach, this is uh, Jonathan Stokes from North Carolina, man. Um, I'm, a, I'm a young basketball coach, first-year uh, head basketball coach, high school level. Um, I just wanted, and I'm also a minister as well. So I, I really, I really appreciate how you uh, infuse the word into a lot of things that you do. Coming from a high school perspective, um, and also coming from, you know, separation of church and state, have you run into any problems as far as players uh, buying into the philosophy as it pertains to faith? And what would you, uh, I guess, how would you deal with that on that level as far as from the high school level? Because we. We deal with a lot of pushback when when it comes to, you know, ex exemplifying our faith. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. You know, like I said, my high school time, we, we dealt with that as well. Uh, and I agree with you. 
on the whole aspect of somebody's going to give some pushback. I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, and for me, the way I've handled it in the past is I'm a firm believer that you don't change. You don't change what you're doing. You don't change what your belief, what your, what your values are. So, like I, I, the example I use is at Hunt. I used this last weekend. Was we had a kid that told us when he got there, "I don't believe in God." Period. And we were like, "Well, this is a Christian program. We do, and we're going to do values." And I said, "We're not going to uh, skip out on anything to accommodate you. Now, you feel free to walk out or whatever." Uh, but we are going to do what we do. This is what we stand for. And it's not for everybody. And, you know, that kid graduated Huntington College and, and dedicated his life to God. He came in atheist, straight up from Philadelphia, was not, uh, didn't, didn't believe in it. I grew up in Philadelphia. I had to dodge gunshots every night. If it was a God, why'd, I, why'd, I, why'd he put me in that situation? You know, and just we just kept, as I said, chopping. We kept chopping wood, just doing what we do in our, our everyday walk. And then eventually, he conformed to realize that you know it's something going on here, bigger than what I've ever seen. And he understood that by him being in the presence of our program, that it changed his life. And now he's a police officer. So I would just say, come out, we keep doing what you're doing, man, because we all know it goes back to that three phases in life. Some of them kids gonna do it. Some of them kids ain't going to do it, and some of them are going to walk away from it. Just keep chopping wood, brother, because at the end of the day, some of those kids that uh, don't listen to you or don't take heed to the words you guys give them and give you pushback, and those parents as well, those are going to be the main ones calling you in two or three more years thanking you for the opportunity because something you're saying, they may not want to hear it and apply it at this moment, but at some point, they're going to go through a situation, and sometimes it takes life to happen to them before they realize, hey, man, coach, he, he told me this every day, and now I understand it. So that, that's what I would say to you in those aspects. Hey, hey Coach, I want to piggyback off that. Um, I know Coach uh, Stowe, me and him go back, and uh, I'm in North Carolina and Charlotte as well. And, and one thing I want to say is that we have FCA at our school, well, the school I coach at now in Charlotte, and I'm over FCA, but the biggest thing is your actions as a, as a male, as a male figure, minority male, Especially with this generation, you know, they'll show me generation, but if you love, love the heck out of them and show them that you care, I believe they'll follow you through a brick wall. I found that out to be with my, my core guys, I coach DBs, and I don't curse at them. I don't curse at all on the football field at all because I believe that you can pull the best out of a kid without cursing at them, uh, especially with this generation. It's so soft. So my example is faith family football. My faith is what I show every day on the football field. As I teach class, they see it. I don't have to throw a Bible verse out there or do anything like that. I show by my actions. And as a black male, I think that goes a long way. If you keep showing your actions, those walls will start coming down for those kids. And if you keep showing your love and your respect for them, those walls will start coming down because this generation just wants somebody to know that they care. And they want discipline as well. So I believe that actions go a long way. That's a good can I, I piggyback in, Coach? Go for it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in Charlotte as well. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. So to that question, what Coach was saying, I know for me, um, when I first took the head coach job um, at my school, I just prayed to God, um, like, Lord, all right, if I'm going to be the Jesus as every, you know, my kids see, just in, you know, in my everyday walk, just shine, you know, let, let them see you through me. And just with that prayer, um, you know, it, it starts the conversations. Hey, Coach, you know, I see the way you move. Coach, you be going to church um, and, you know, things like that. You know, like he said, you know, it's kind of difficult sometimes, you know, you know, state regulations. I usually don't be worried about it, you know. Right. The kids bring it up and ask about it. We talk about it. I know my top receiver, he goes to church with me and my family every Sunday. Um, you know, and then I've had other guys that have texted me, yo, coach, I want to go to church. But I think it's just a matter, you know, coach, it's just a matter of how you live your life. You're living your life pleasing to God. Uh, the other kid, the kids are going to see it, whether you say it or not. It's just, you know, how you coach, how you interact with them. So, you know, that's how, you know, we've dealt with it. And, you know, you know, my pastor, he came to my games and he actually prayed for my team a couple of times after the game was over and we got in our huddle. Um, you know, we've reached out to other coaches, you know, with prayer and things like that. So, you know, that's how we've kind of maneuvered. Like, you know, Coach Clark said, you know, with FCA, 
you know, North Carolina is real big on fellowship of Christian athletes. And, you know, that's been helpful as well because our district is in great partnership with them. So I just say just the way you live your life, you know, ask God to let your light shine. And, you know, he'll answer that prayer and the kids will, they'll see Jesus. You know, even if they've never known him, they'll, they'll see Jesus, you know, through you and, you know, how you interact with them and coach them. Um, I've got something to throw out there on the same, along the same lines. I'm fortunate enough to work in the same school as my husband. So we get to demonstrate what a healthy marriage looks like every day. And they kind of tease us about it. Like, why are you guys besties, you know? And, uh, you know, they see how a male treats a female and the proper way for a male to treat a female. And we don't have to explain it or say anything about it. Um, they see our family together. They see how my husband fathers my kids. Um, you know, how he's a father to my kids and um, how he leads them the way Jesus would lead them. We don't ever say anything. We don't say that's what we're doing, but they see a family and a lot of, and even, even at a private school, even at my school, there's a lot of kids who don't see that. They don't see it. You know, it's so like in the practice, you know, they'll always say, Hey coach, you know, what you, what you got in the crock pot? I know you guys are having dinner tonight, but you know, we get, we get to demonstrate a family who has for whatever our schedule is, but somewhat, having dinner together and, you know, and we don't ever, we don't lay that out. Okay. This is what a family looks like. We just live it out. And, you know, I think the kids see that more than if we were to explain what that was. Good. Yeah. So I think, Go, ahead. Oh. Go ahead. Okay. It's Go ahead. always us, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the other thing too, is I know people have strict rules against social media we require our players to be friends with us on social media so that we can kind of keep an eye on it. But they watch every single move that we make. And so on social media, when we post different things, on all of that, everything, not just when we're right in front of them, but I'll post something on social media and then all of a sudden the next day they're like, so coach, how was that? So coach, how was that? And they're watching every single thing we do, every single thing we post, and we have a platform all across the board with it. I agree. Now, I want to take you back off that. Uh, everybody's almost saying the same thing. And Matthew 5 and 16 says, let your light shine. So men and women might see your works that, so that he might get the glory in heaven. Um, these kids are watching us. They're watching our every move. Uh, we just recently started that with our students at our program. In North, I'm in North Carolina also. Um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been, has been amazing for us. Um, I'm a basketball coach. So it has allowed me to actually talk about God and practice because before we, before they come to practice, um, they go to their FCA uh, meetings, then they come to practice, they ask me 500 questions because, like, coach, we know you go to church, we know you teach that Bible, and man, I got some more questions for you, so I just talk free. If my administration comes to get me, come get me, but I believe God got to be covered, so I'm going to keep teaching, keep mentoring, and I'm um, go from there. Good, and something else I'll add to that topic, man, is something that that I started doing several years ago is don't be afraid to tell these players, your players, you love them too. I mean, I know a lot of you guys said that, but that's something that somebody asked me this when I first got to Huntington was, could you tell your guys you love them? I'm like, no. He said, well, if you love them, tell them. He said, how many coaches in your life told you that they loved you? And I can name one or two, but those are the two coaches I still talk to to this day. So after I get to know my guys, I tell them, hey, man, appreciate you, man. I love y'all, man, really. I bring them to my house and I let them know because you know how it is, especially in the college profession. You're around your players more than you are your kids. So that's the thing I would add to all of that is don't be ashamed to tell the players, the student athletes you have so around you so much, how much you care about them because it really goes a long way. Anybody else? Yeah, Coach, I'll I, I hit on one thing you said, um, kind of shift gears a little bit, but uh, you talked about, you know, the whole part about them not really – um, expressing themselves and talking. And I think that's something for all of us as coaches to really be mindful of, especially when we're dealing with African-Americans, um, because we've been brought up in a culture of, you know, we show strength by being able to overcome things ourselves. You know, mm -hmm. and a lot of us come from a spiritual background, but it's still that, that just unspoken, especially with black men, that we don't yep. talk. We don't, we don't express ourselves that something's going on. We, you know, men, you put your head down, you go to work, you figure this thing out. And so, you know, I, I got a team full of guys who will not tell me if there's a problem, who will not tell their coaches if there's an issue if we don't pull it out of them, and, and who are afraid to show weakness, who are afraid to talk about their bouts with depression and, you know, their, their, their insecurities and their questions about their faith and their religion and the struggles that they go through. So, you know, for us, part of our ministry is really diving into their personal lives and, 
and really getting them to explore those, those feelings and open themselves up. Because again, we got to break down a lot of um, barriers and myths that, that these guys have been raised on. Even if they were raised in a single parent home or two parent home or, you know, raised by grandmother, whoever, they still been told, because I was told as a black man that we don't show weakness, that crying, that saying I love you, that all those things are signs of weakness in our culture. And so, you know, it, it, really, it really places an omen on us to really get those guys to break those walls down, to break those barriers down, and really allow us to get inside, because that's how we reach them. You reach them once you get down into the, the core of who they really are, not that out of shell that they all put up, because they are no the fastest, strongest people on campus. And so they have to carry that. And that's a heavy burden to carry for a college athlete. I got to be on at all times because everybody's going to watch me on Saturday. And if I have a bad game, then I, I hear about that for the whole week. So I cannot show weakness. I cannot get beat deep. I cannot make a bad play. So that mental depression or that state of depression that they face is a real thing that we all today have to be mindful of. And so during our spiritual walk of getting them close to God and making them better men and better husbands, I think it's really important to understand that a true man one shows emotion and a true man asks for help when he needs help. He doesn't necessarily have to try to figure it out himself that there's help out there available for them. And, and I think it's our, it's our mission as coaches and as mentors to really get them to see that and really learn to seek those things out. Agree. Good. I just wanted to say that it gives me, like I'm literally taking it back here because much of what you said, um, Coach Simmons is, exactly what we see every day. And um, I think there's a couple of coaches on here um, from Tallahassee. And, you know, in his absence, I want to commend our head football coach at Godly High School, Coach McCray, because he exhibits a lot of what you all um, are exhibiting. I don't know a lot of my North Carolina people on here. I actually am Livingstone College alumna. Um, so I thank you guys for being on the call. But we actually had a past student and a football player who um, unfortunately passed away. He took his own life. And so just what you said, um, he was actually, you probably saw it, um, he was a football player at Georgia Southern, but he exhibited so much, and you're right, he smiled every day. He was the strength on the campus. People loved him, and so to watch that, it was like, oh my goodness, and you're right. So I'm just more of a comment, thankful to see men, right, be on here as leaders and you know, as you said, you don't have to wear a sign. Like Coach Price said, I told her, I texted her, I said, I'm still in your quote. I'm going to let you know that she said, we don't have to lay it out. We just have to live it out. And I'm just so thankful to see, you know, everybody on this call and that that's what you're doing in our programs because what most people don't, don't get, you said so, you know, eloquently, Coach Simmons is athletes are. We put them in the forefront for everything. They're the top part of the campus. When somebody needs a campaign or for them to come volunteer, I know the principal or the administration is going to send an email to the coaches saying, hey, can we get a couple of your guys? Can we get a couple of your young ladies to come out here to be the face of United Way or what have you? And they have a heavy cross to bear. So, Coach Wilkerson, you were spot on when you said, what is your hope lying? And at that juncture, that transcends any type of faith. You said at best, some people just haven't lived life yet. And it shows because when adversity hits, they don't know how to deal with it. So I comment it wasn't a question. I'm just so thankful to see all the men on this line for what you do and being in the trenches, but not being afraid to show your players that you care, show emotion and affection to these players because nine times out of ten they probably hadn't seen it before they got to you, um, and to you know just stand in the cap and, and speak those things that they are experiencing that they may never tell you. Um, so I'm just so thankful for this video and Coach William uh, Wilkerson. I appreciate that so much because I'm like sitting here looking on how to just, you know, dissect everything you said. I love the three little pigs, but that's all I wanted to say that I appreciate that because if their foundation is shaky, that's why when trouble arises, that's why the world is going crazy. Like you said, no laughing at Coach Wilkinson, I said, I'm glad that we can sit here and laugh. He had me rolling this morning. Like, you know, nothing's going on. And, 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 and that's just it. You can walk through life and go through the fire in peace because you live life and you come out on the other side. But when those people have a shaky foundation, man, I'm telling you, it shows. So I appreciate you, Coach Wilkerson, and I appreciate every last one of y'all on this call because this is some, some profound stuff. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. I want to kind of add to that a little bit, too, and I think that's absolutely correct. I think there's so many people that, um, as athletes, we think that 
they think and we think that we have to be perfect and we have to have this um, kind of wall up to all things that are, are true and real in life and that other people aren't going through the same things. And I think as a coach, us being able to show that we struggle too sometimes to our players also helps and it's okay. And us having compassion for ourselves is something that they don't get everywhere else. Like I'm just going through a divorce. I'm going to finalize it and sign the papers and do everything like that. But even going into the divorce, I came from a, I came from parents who have been married for 30 plus years. They're like, and I'm telling myself all these stories that it's not going to be approved. It's not going to like, they're, they're going to think down of me. They're going to think this and they're going to think that and whatever, whatever. And I'm not happy in the marriage and I'm not going to keep this marriage up. But when I actually told them, all of a sudden it wasn't like that and it was something different. They were like, oh, okay, that's fine. And nobody was hard on me. But I think as our players think that we're perfect or we think we're perfect or all of that stuff and we don't make those mistakes. And if we can show them, we make mistakes too. And when we make mistakes, it's okay. And we're okay with it. And that's something that they need to see too. Agreed. Anybody else? Uh, real quickly, one thing I tell my kids is um, that if you mess up, fess up, and we'll deal with it. You know, don't try to hide it because we're going to screw up. I'm going to screw up, and if I do, I'm going to tell you. And um, so we, I, I always tell my kids, if you mess up, fess up, because otherwise we can't deal with it. Like Coach Simmons says, if I don't know, I, I, I can't help you. Um, so that's one thing that we quote all the time. All hearts and minds clear. I just, I just wanted to say really quick, I'm not in the coach's profession. I'm, I'm in law enforcement, but uh, just to, to hear all of you guys uh, in your profession, and obviously I've, I've played uh, Alabama State here with Landis, but just to hear uh, the mindset of the, the spiritual walk and the things that you guys are taking time out to put into this, this is really what it takes. Um, being here on on uh, on camp on the campus to where, like you said, seeing athletes and dealing with athletes quite a bit. Um, on this side, it's it's the same walk of trying to break down those barriers uh, in the law enforcement profession. So I just want to commend all of you guys. Uh, continue the great work and and, and keep the faith. So uh, thanks for letting me be a part of this. Landis did a great job, but appreciate it. Coach Chelsea, no one put you on blast. So usually we end with a prayer. But uh, Coach Chester been online singing. So, so She's she going to have to show us that lovely voice one of these days. I ain't going to hold her. <laughs> she would she hold now. Chester, soon. I'm not fooling with y'all. I'm not. He told me he was going to do that the other day. I said, see there? Maybe Come one on. day. Come on, bless Maybe the one group. Day. You know, the, the spirit got to move me. Come on, bless the group. <laughs> Here we go. If you go to... Chelsea F. Muir on Facebook. You can watch what he's talking about. But the spirit got to lead me first. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, if that's all that everyone has a comment, we're not going to keep holding you guys. I just want to take the time to say that, Coach, you are amazing. Um, I try to, when I reach out, he joked with me, y'all. He said he told his uh, boys that I just sent him a message. I sent about 30 messages, and thankfully, he was the first one to respond. Uh, but Quite honestly and truthfully, that it really is what I do. And, and it's amazing how people have a servant heart. You know, we feel that when these positions and these titles assume the front of our name, sometimes people do. They get to a place where they feel they can't respond to you or they don't want to. And so I'm just so thankful for you for being so willing and transparent. Um, I took a lot of nuggets from what you said. That's going to help me whenever we come back on the other side of this pandemic. Um, I thank everybody for sharing. And Coach, I'm going to let you... Um, you know, give your final words. And if you could give us a closing prayer out, I would appreciate it. I do want to make a quick announcement for um, my newer ones of the call. If you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, you'll see, I'll always put reminders out there. We're going to move on to Tuesdays and Thursdays. Going forward, we have um, Jacksonville University's head women's basketball coach, um, Darnell Haney, on Tuesday. Um, on Thursday, we're going to have a coach and speaker, um, uh, Dotarian Watson out of LA on Thursday. We actually will have a special um, additional presentation on Wednesday of next week. So it'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week only because that same thing I just said, some people who get out there and they are become so successful even in the media, they never forget where their faith came from and 
Kristen Letlow will be doing a special edition for us from NBA TV um, on Wednesday, April 22nd. So you'll start seeing blasts. I'm super excited about that. She's super excited about that. She just confirmed while we were on the call. So we just ask that, you know, you take the time out and, and join us. So with that being said, Coach, um, you go ahead and say your final words and take us home. All right, well, I appreciate y'all for the opportunity. Like I said, you guys have my information. Feel free to reach out. Let's stay in contact and move forward here. I'll just close this out in prayer. Everybody bow your head. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to your day, give you all praise, glory, and honor. Take this time to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the fellowship we have here. Lord, thank you for the leadership roles, positions you give us all, Lord. As you continue to lead, God, and direct our path so that we can be great leaders, role models, and athletes, Lord. Give us when we say to fall short of your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.